Let's continue in Luke chapter 1 this evening, so turn with me to Luke 1, and we're going to read this evening verses 26 down to the end of verse 38. Luke chapter 1 from verse 26. Let us hear the precious word of God. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favoured one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Well, shall we turn back to Luke chapter 1 again this evening and look at those verses that I read earlier. Verses 26 through to 38. We are thinking today about God's amazing announcements. This morning we thought of the announcement to Zacharias concerning uh, the child that would be born to Zacharias and Elizabeth, whom we know as John the Baptist. And this evening we're going to Think about the, an amazing announcement to Mary as the angel Gabriel brought a message to her. Six months have passed since, at least six months, since the angel appeared to Zacharias. Now Gabriel comes to a city of Galilee called Nazareth and comes to Mary. This time, the message is not given 
the announcement is not made in the temple in a place of great splendor and wonder but sent by God to a city called Nazareth it's a city that was in the area known as Galilee and that is something that I find such an encouragement because Galilee was an area of Israel up in the north well known and sometimes looked down on as a place of mixed ethnic groups in that area lived both Jews and Gentiles <clears throat> we know it elsewhere in scripture as being the land of Zebulun the land of Naphtali it's there in the north it's up by the way of the sea it's beyond Jordan beyond the beginning of the Jordan flowing out of Galilee and this time we're going to a, a, a city now we think in terms of a city you think of the city of Birmingham it's a sprawling urban conurbation isn't it well this city probably not nowhere anywhere near so big as the cities we're used to in these days it was simply a, a town O little town of Bethlehem, we sing concerning the place where Jesus was born. Well, Nazareth wasn't a huge, sprawling place. In fact, it was looked down, looked down on. And even one of its own, a Galilean, by the name of Nathaniel, we read about him in John's Gospel as one of the uh, disciples. Even a Galilean himself would raise the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of that place? It was a bit of a downtown, a bit of a low place. Had no respect from the majority of the land of Israel. And that's amazing in itself that the Lord Jesus Christ should come. And what encourages us is this, isn't it? Surely, that he came to save not only the Jews, but Gentiles also. He was born in an area, or he was, he was pronounced and announced by Gabriel. His mother came from a mixed ethnic grouping. Not thought much of. He came to save the lowest as well as the highest. Both Jew and Gentile. And so this evening we're going to join Mary. She's a virgin. She's unmarried. She is betrothed or there is, there is that relationship in preparation for marriage. She's living in a despised and unlikely area. And as the angel Gabriel brings to her an amazing announcement, that announcement begins with an amazing greeting. An amazing greeting in verse 28. Just look at the, and read these words. The angel said to her, 
The first thing she says, he says, Rejoice, highly favoured one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Mary is told to rejoice in the presence of this heavenly being because she is highly favoured. She is blessed above all other women. Don't let's play that down. Just because some play it up and uh, venerate Mary, we must not go to that extreme. But let us recognise that even God through the angel Gabriel said, you are highly favoured. You are blessed among women. You've got a unique work to do for me. <coughs> and she has found favour with God. In verse 30. Mary, you have found favour with God. Those are wonderful things. The verb in verse 28 translated highly favoured. That word has the sense of being accepted. God has accepted you, Mary. God has chosen you in the vastness of a past eternity. Not just for salvation, but to do a special work for him. <coughs> he has accepted you. With that same word is translated accepted in Ephesians chapter 1 where Paul is writing about the privilege of being a Christian, the privilege of being a believer. Press predestined to adoption. That word predestined, set apart in God's plan and purpose. For the majority of Christians to be sons of God. But for Mary there was a particular task she had been predestined to carry out. And it would be according to the good pleasure of his will and it would be for the praise of the glory of his grace and accepted in the beloved. That's the word accepted. The same phrase here is highly favoured. Accepted by God. Chosen by him. Set apart by him to do something for him. And in fact, she will be accepted in and through the son that she is going to carry. She's blessed among women. And the Lord is with her. The Lord is with you, says the angel. Oh, God is graciously alongside her in that very moment that the angel in his glory is standing in front of her. We read that she was troubled. She was afraid. What's going on here? She couldn't work out this dazzling angel. And the angel calms her with these simple words. You, have been, you are highly favoured Mary. God has accepted you. You are blessed among women. Because you have a work to do for him that no one else can do. You have found favour with God. 
and the Lord is with you. You are not going to, you are not on your own now, and you will not be on your own when you do, or when you carry the child that you're going to carry. You, the Lord is with you, Mary. He will keep you, he will help you, he will guide you, he will be all that you need in what follows. And so we see that the terrifying sight of an angel, an angelic messenger, was not a sign of God's righteous anger. This angel hadn't come in anger to pronounce some terrible judgment on Mary. No, he has come with a message of hope and of grace. God is not against her, but God is right there beside her. What a highly favoured lady she was. And that is what the incarnation, what the coming of the Lord Jesus into the world is all about for us as well, isn't it? A day is coming when he will return in judgment. We know that from scripture. But that moment is not yet. It could come before we finish our service tonight. That we do not know. But at this precise moment it hasn't happened. God is amongst us. God is with us as we worship him. The day when Gabriel visited Mary was not a day of judgment. And the day of Jesus Christ coming into this world, in the past now, was not a day of judgment. That day lays ahead of us. So I notice that in this amazing greeting, Mary's fears are laid to rest. Don't be afraid, Mary. Hear me out. And the second thing to notice in this amazing announcement of the angel, here she is then in verse 29, Mary is considering what manner of greeting this was. Well, what does all this mean? Well, Mary is going to bear an amazing son who will be given an amazing name. So the, Mary, the angel repeats in verse 30, Don't be afraid, Mary. Don't be afraid. You have found favour with God. Now listen. Behold, pay attention, Mary. Give me all the attention you can. You will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and call his name Jesus. Mary, you're going to bear a son. And it won't be by any natural father. That son you're going to bear, Mary, will be, can not be conceived in the usual way. That child will be placed in your womb. Placed in your womb by God. And you can imagine how Mary must, this must be 
She must be wondering whatever's going to happen. You will conceive in your womb, but you won't know a man. And you will bring forth a son who will be great. He'll be the son of the highest. God is his father. And you are to be his mother to bring him into the world. God will place this child in your womb, Mary. And he goes on in verse 35 to tell her how that will happen. What amazing words, aren't they? Mary raises the question, well, how how can that happen? And the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Mary, the triune Jehovah, is going to bring this about. The glorious Trinity, and we can see it from our our point in history, we can see it, can't we? God the Father will send His Son into your womb, Mary. God the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, Mary, to bring that about. And God the Son will be born. That almost sounds like sacrilege, doesn't it? But it's not, because that's exactly what happened. The Father sent the Son, the Spirit put him in the womb, and the Son of God was born as the Son of Man. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ, he made himself of no reputation. He took the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Mary, you're going to bear a unique child. There's never going to be one like him. His father is God. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And the Son will come. And then Gabriel makes it very clear that that Son, that amazing Son, is to have an amazing name. Go back to verse 31. You will bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus. A wonderful name. Centuries earlier, the prophet Isaiah wrote these words or spoke these words. Unto us a child is born and that child is a given son. And his name will be called, amongst other names, Wonderful. His name will be Wonderful because of the way he has entered into Mary and will be born into this world. His name is Wonderful because his his name by which he is to be known is, is Jesus. 
I'd ask you just to notice there that in your Bibles the name Jesus is in capital letters. That indicates that Jehovah is there. You need to notice the detail. You shall call his name Jesus. Jesus. Jehoshua. Jehovah saves. That's the name of this child. Jehovah, Almighty God, saves. Wherever this child Jesus went, he took that name with him. He took it with him, not only as the one who saves, but as the only Saviour. Now I'm sure when he was growing up in the, in the town of Nazareth where they lived, his playmates as he grew up and those he went to the uh, synagogue school with and so on, they, they wouldn't have recognised it because Jesus, Joshua, was not an uncommon name. But in its full, full uh, sense, Jehoshua, you immediately beget the beginning of Jehovah, the, the supreme, the wonder, the I am. So wherever the Lord Jesus Christ went, I am Saviour. That's what was being said in his name. And it's interesting, isn't it? The angel visits Mary and tells her these wonderful things. But he said exactly the same to Joseph. I'll use the term, I don't know what other term to use, his surrogate father, if you like, the one who would bring him up. Joseph, an angel visited him and said, Mary is going to bear a child. And you, Joseph, must call his name Jesus. And again, in Matthew 1.21, it's in capital letters. Joseph, you must announce that name. Mary, you shall call him Jesus. Joseph, you must call him Jesus. Because you've got to put on this united front that this child is Jehovah Jesus. He is the one who will save his people from their sins. Isn't that an awesome and incomprehensible thing? This is beyond us. It was beyond Mary. It was beyond Joseph. Joseph couldn't work out what to do next. Mary is overwhelmed. No human being can grasp the reality of this. Not with human minds. But then we're not called on to understand. We are called on to believe. We're living in a day when we've got to have everything 
in, in a form that we can understand how it works, where it comes from, where it leads to, and so on. But Christian, we walk by faith and not by sight. And it is by faith in the child who entered the womb of Mary and was born to die for our sins. It is by believing in him we shall never fully understand or plumb the depths of the truth of it all. But we are called on to believe it. Do you believe who Jesus is? Now if the name to be given to this son is an amazing name, Gabriel goes still further. Because this coming son will hold three amazing God-given titles. Three amazing God-given titles. And this is all going on in a private room in Galilee. What are those names? And they are titles of such great importance that without bearing each of these titles, this amazing child could not be the saviour of sinners. The first, in verse 31, he is the son of man. Now it doesn't actually say that, I know. But the whole meaning of that phrase, you will conceive in your womb, you will bear a son. He will be your son, Mary. <clears throat> he is the son of man. And that's a term that our Lord himself used numerous times <coughs> in the Gospels. I looked it up. That name, that title is used by the Lord himself no less than 84 times in the Gospels. The Son of Man. You shall bring forth a son. And in Luke 19.10, the Son of Man. Why is that important? Because the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. As Mary's son, this child is going to be a genuine little boy <coughs> who would grow up through the years of adolescence with all that that means and involves into a genuine manhood, a real man. He's the one who the poet sings, we just sung it, Thou who art God beyond all praising, all for love's sake became a man, stooping so low, but sinners raising heavenwards by God's eternal plan. He will have all the sensitivities that you and I have, he will have all the characteristics that you and I bear. There's only one exception. He will be without sin. 
there will be no sin in his mind or thoughts. No sin in what he says. No sin in what he is. No sin in how he goes about things. He is the Son of Man without sin. And because of that, all the prophecies concerning him were fulfilled in a truly human person. And yet, there's another great title. (coughs) He is the Son of Man. In verses 32 and 3, He is the Son of David. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. I won't go through the prophecies that describe and set forth how David's son would be the Messiah. Over all that span of years, the centuries that passed. But he is the son of David. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Well, if his father is David, then he's David's son, isn't he? That's his title. It's a title that could be traced back through all the genealogies. That's why the genealogies are so important. Matthew traces the line. Luke traces the line. You go to Luke chapter 3 and at verse 23 and you've got that long list of names. Begins with Jesus, it works backwards. And it goes right back to Adam. I won't go through the names obviously tonight. But you read them. He began his ministry being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph. That's what it looked like. But he was the son of God, but he was the son of man. In that his genealogy could be traced right back to Adam. He is the son of man, the son of David, the promised one. All the way through the Old Testament, he is pointed to a Christ, a Messiah, the promised one from God would one day come into the world. He would be in fact And the Old Testament makes it clear he will be sent into the world. He won't just come. He will be sent. He will be commissioned by God himself. And he is the second person, of course, in the Trinity. We'll see that in a moment. But he will become the Son of Man that he might save his people from their sins. As I say, in him, all the Old Testament types, all the Old Testament shadows would be, and from our point in history, have been fulfilled. As the son of David, he fulfilled all the promises, every single one. There's an interesting exercise, it'll take you you months. 
Go through the Old Testament, all the prophecies, and look at them. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. All the way through. In him, it's all fulfilled. That's why he was born in Bethlehem. Because the Son of Man is the Son of David. The city of David was Bethlehem. It wasn't just some conspiracy, some political thing that took place when that census was required in in Luke chapter 2. It came to pass in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place when Quirinius was governing Syria and so on. And the, the Roman, being a Roman occupied land, they had to go back to where they were born. Was that just some Roman quirk? No. That was to prove who this child was in the fullness of time. Because he was of the house and lineage of David, he had to go to Bethlehem. That's why Bethlehem comes into the equation. And yet there is more. There is more. He is the son of man, but everybody could see that. He was a real little boy. Growing into manhood. He was the son of David. Yes, well, you can see that because you can trace it in the genealogy. Therefore, he's the promised one. But I say there's even more. Because look at verse 35. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. He is the Son of Man. He is the Son of David. He is the Son of God. What wonderful things these are. I'm not surprised, therefore, to hear the angel say to Joseph in Matthew, we don't, know, we don't know the name of that angel, if he had a name. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. There's the son of man. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. God with man. God with men. Joseph Hart puts it so simply in his lovely hymn, A Man There Is a Real Man. We, we know the first line. But listen to these words. We tend to think of that uh, at Easter time. A man there is a real man with wounds still gaping wide and so on. But that man is this child. This wondrous man of whom we tell is true almighty God. Now there's deep theology, but that's the truth. And that's what the angel Gabriel is saying here to Mary. He will be called the son of God. This wondrous child who you bear 
is going to be your son Mary. You're going to nurture him. You're going to look after him. He is the son of David by genealogy. He is the one who has been promised. And Mary, he is the son of God. Because God sent him, the second person in the Trinity, to take up residence in your womb by the activity of the Spirit, to be born a child. Is it not an amazing announcement that Mary has made to her? If this isn't true, we are lost forever without hope. Every single one of us. But it is true. This is the truth of God's word. So there's just one more thing that I want to bring to you. An amazing child with an amazing name. And there's an amazing conclusion to this visit of the angel. This visit of Gabriel. Mary responds to this message. And she's not to be criticised for it. Mary responded in verse 34. How can this be? How can this be? Since I do not know a man. How can this happen? How can all this be focusing in on me? Says Mary. How can it be since I do not know a man? Well we've answered that immediate question. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and so on. But this is not a question of doubt. I suggest to you, this is a question where Mary is seeking clarification. It's not that she doesn't believe the angel. She can't grasp it. Can you just clarify how this is going to happen to me? I don't think it's unbelief at all. She's not saying that yet. No, that's, that's not on. No, it's not that at all. Angel, how can this be? She looked at herself. She's a humble young woman. She's engaged to be married to Joseph. He's, He's the local carpenter. How can this happen? If it's not going to be Joseph, then what's going to happen? Well, that spirit will come upon you. We've looked at that. But before leaving Mary, Gabriel assures her that amid all the impossibilities, there's that lovely verse 37, with God, nothing will be impossible. You know, you talk to the cynics today and they say, virgin birth, not a rubbish. That's the reaction of the world. But we know God has told us in his word that it's not impossible for him to do this, to bring it about. With God, 
Nothing will be impossible. Let me give you an example, says Gabriel. You know your relative Elizabeth? And they, they did know one another. Elizabeth was an older woman, much older. Mary was a young virgin. They were related. Elizabeth, your relative, she's been wanting a child for years. And she has conceived a son in her old age. It's not impossible, Mary. The impossible thing has already happened. And she's now only got three more months to go before she bears her, brings her son into the world. Mary, with God, it's not impossible. And isn't Mary's reply so wonderful? Then Mary said, she surrendered herself, her reputation, her all. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel disappears. Friends, you and I, like Mary, if we look at ourselves, it's impossible. If we look at ourselves, we have to say, I can't save myself. If I look at you, you cannot save me. I cannot save you. But with God it's not impossible. However could all those prophecies be fulfilled at this distance in time? However could the Son of God become the Son of Man being the Son of David? However could that all conspire and come together? Well with God it's not impossible where God is concerned he did it not Mary not Joseph not Zacharias not Elizabeth not you not me God did it that's why this great mystery of the incarnation was so possible who sent the Son of God into the world? God the Father. Who accomplished our salvation? The Christ, the Messiah. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Indeed, this child that was born of Mary and I say that with the deepest reverence, but he was a little boy. And he grew to be a man, to step onto the stage, more public stage of history. And there is his cousin John, the Baptist, six months older than Jesus. And there is the Son of Man. Behold the one who takes away the sin of the world. Oh, that's impossible. No, not with God it's not. 
and listen to what this son says concerning himself. And notice the term he uses. The son of man has come. He's on the public stage now of history. The son of man has come. There's an indication there. He has entered into the world, isn't there? He has come into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. So Mary's own son lays out what you and I need to do. When his public ministry was began, Mark sums it up in our Saviour's own words. This is what Jesus said. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That's Mark 1.15. That's as Jesus steps out and for the first time speaks in public. The time is fulfilled. It's all conspired together. All of history before that moment. And Jesus began to preach. Saying. It's fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. In other words it's right here now. Men and women. Young and old. Repent. And believe the gospel. And as our Lord is about to leave this world. After his sinless life. His atoning death. His glorious resurrection. The way in which he's revealed himself after the resurrection to his disciples. He's taking his leave. Of his disciples. And he commissions them. And as part of that commission. He says this. He who believes. And is baptised. Shall be saved. And that comes from the son of God. That comes from the son of man. That comes from the son of David. He who believes and is baptised shall be saved. But. And what an important but. He who does not believe. Does not take this as it stands. Receive me as their only Lord, their only Saviour. Such will be condemned. Oh friends, this Christmas time, <coughs> let's ponder the wonder of the amazing announcements. First of all made to Zacharias concerning the forerunner, the one who was preparing the way like the old Roman slave would be clearing the path in front of his Lord. And the one who for, the forerunner had completed his work. And then 
the amazing announcement to Mary that the King of Kings would walk in the footsteps of the forerunner to save us from our sin. That's the Christmas message. It's quite simple really. And it's not just about gooey-eyed people and pictures and so on. It's serious. It's real. We must receive this Saviour if we are to be saved. Let's pray.